You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Bridge to You podcast, hosted by yours truly, Monique Russell, where we focus on diversity, inclusion, and understanding for Black cultures through conversations that help us connect to ourselves and each other. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bridge to You podcast. I'm your host, Monique Russell. Today in my guest chair, you won't believe who I get to speak with today. Born in Brooklyn, New York, with heritage from the Caribbean, lived in Zambia, Kenya, South Africa, and Europe, Marcus Haynes is the president and founder of RH1 Consulting where they focus on maximizing the workforce by evaluating and assembling HR infrastructure for startups and tech companies. Marcus is a sports enthusiast, doesn't really like the phrase, we've always done it this way. And he is the son of a diplomat. Today, he's going to give us a peek into his world. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's an honor. Yes, Marcus, we're going to dive right on in. I mean, you have lived in so many places all around the world. It is an honor to have such a diverse perspective. How do you think this has shaped your worldview and your approach to cultural diversity in the workplace? Very good question. I am really fortunate to have traveled so much and lived in so many different places. And, you know, I didn't ask for that. You know, there are times as a child that I uh, maybe was a little resentful for the fact that I was so far away from my cousins and aunts and uncles who are mostly in North America and the Caribbean um, and spending so much time in Africa. Most of my childhood in Africa was was tough at times, but I, I think I appreciate it more now than ever, um, not only from a personal standpoint, but also from a professional standpoint because it has helped me to be more tolerant, to be more patient, to be able to relate to more people. And it has absolutely been the foundation for how I've been successful as a human resources consultant. How has it helped you relate to more people? Because I'm, I'm more tolerant. I'm appreciative of differences. And I think that is... Um, the core of diversity, equity, and inclusion is differences. I think too many times, especially in recent years, a lot of companies, and you see this in the workforce, where they define DEI as something very surface level. And it's about ethnicity, and it's about uh, sexual orientation and gender, and so on and so forth. And there's so much more to that. And when you think about people's differences and what they bring to the table, what value do they add to an organization? 
I think that is where people need to really start when they think about DEI. Mm, that's good. My brain is already going in, in, in a whole different direction here. And <laughs> I'm like, okay, so we, we need to start with people's differences. And your experience helped you to become more tolerant of others. For those that are listening, help us connect the dots because we want to do this right. We want to know what's working and we want to do this right. And help us connect the dots on how starting with differences can help us be more tolerant of each other. I think really getting to know somebody and showing genuine interest in somebody and really learning opening yourself up to learn from that person because you can learn something from anyone. And if you kind of go into your daily human interactions with that kind of mentality, um, I think it's highly beneficial. Amazing. So when you, when you think about your HR experiences and you think about your background and, you know, just the personal experiences you had growing up in Africa as well, I'm curious about what you think a common struggle would be in the workplace, like a, a common struggle um, in Africa, in North America, in the Caribbean, if there was one, a, a common struggle in the workplace in your industry? So that's a very good question. Now, are you talking about a common struggle in the North American workplace? Or are you talking about internationally? Internationally. Internationally. I think there, there are several common trends uh, regards to workplace struggles. Um, I think Managers often struggle to relate to their employees and understand their employees. Uh, I think you and I, you and I, were talking about this recently about learning to manage people differently and manage your audience. Your team is made up of different people, and they need to be managed different ways. They have different personalities, and you can see that across the globe. You know, managers definitely struggle with understanding that they have to adapt their management style and their way of communication to their employees. Mm. And what would you say is working? Like what's working right now? What's working is I think there is definitely an emphasis on trying to add more different people to their organizations and their teams. What do you mean and by different? Come on, Marcus, what's, what's, what's different? Going back to that DEI we were talking about <laughs> is, is people who come from different backgrounds, have different educational backgrounds, um, different work experiences, speak different languages, different cultures. Um, there's definitely an emphasis on it. And you've seen that trend in the last decade or so. Um, there's still a lot of work to be done so that we're not just trying to fill quotas and we're not window dressing here mm -hmm. and I still see that with a lot of organizations that are just doing that just because it's the the en vogue thing to do what's the trendy mm -hmm. thing to do. Mm -hmm. and um yeah it's really need to kind of drill down and understand okay why are we doing this why is this beneficial why is this important for and there's so many different reasons for that 
I am very hopeful when you said that what's working is people want to add more spice, more variety, more differences. Um, it's very hopeful because, I mean, I, our world is changing. I mean, we're not becoming more homogenous. We're, we're becoming more diverse. And I'm curious, to what do you think is driving that change? There are several things. I think the world becoming more virtual is definitely one of them. And obviously the pandemic was terrible, awful, catastrophic. However, it has really increased the emphasis of virtual and distributed workforces. And it has caused a lot of companies, whether they like it or not, to be more open to hiring people in different parts of the country, different parts of the world. And that lends itself to being creating a more diverse workforce. Yeah. I mean, for me, I have enjoyed having um, clients from all over the world. I mean, it just keeps me engaged. It keeps me invigorated. I am um, just like you. I love multiple cultures and I have a background of multiple cultures as well. And, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, I know that when we have so many cultures working together, there's always going to be challenges that come up. So helping people to think through how to connect with each other, cultural sensitivity, I think is, is key. Have you seen any um, scenarios where, um, let's say you're having a manager who's moving into a new role, they were a peer, um, but now they are a supervisor and they they may be struggling because they don't have the people leadership skills or people management skills. Um, in a scenario like that, if you've seen it, like where would you start? I would start by not putting them into that role. <laughs> really? Well, here's the thing. I think that too often people are put into managerial roles when they're ill-equipped to be in those roles. Either they don't have the right amount of experience, the right amount of training, or the right kind of disposition and temperament. And it's not easy to manage people. And you see this in organizations all the time. And you start to really see it a lot in startups too, because startups tend to skew more on the, the younger side. So you have a, a lot of young founders, you have a lot of young leaders. So you're you know, your early team is usually fairly young, um, just in general. And then they hire their peers. And they hire other people that they went to college with or they work with the, some large corporation. And they get thrown into these roles where they're, they have these inflated titles. as <laughs> vice president of this and vice president of that. And they've never managed anyone before. But now they're responsible for leading a department. And I see this all the time. And I definitely warn against it. But when, they, when you have situations, as you're saying, when it's already happened, then it's my job to try to help to groom that person and give them all the tools and resources that they need to be successful. Um, that constant coaching, that training, that mentorship. Um, I work with whoever that person's reporting to, the head of the department, the VP, the CEO, whoever it is, to make sure that this person is being set up for success. 
because otherwise them being in that managerial role will do a disservice to them as well as the people that they manage. Okay. So you said they, you wouldn't put them in the role in the first place. What would you well, do? Well, I would, I would evaluate it carefully to make mm -hmm. sure. I'm like, well, is, is this, and I, my clients ask me to do this all the time. They'll ask me like, okay, so do you think that, that we should promote this person or this person is doing a great job and they've been with us for the last four years and they're crushing it. I want to promote them. I want to make a manager. And then we'll sit down and have that discussion as to, okay, well, do they have any management experience? Have they mentored anyone? Have they shown that they have the traits and the right kind of disposition that would make them as a successful manager? Are they open to, do they even want to be a manager? Because that's another thing. A lot of people are promoted into managerial roles when that's not exactly what they want. They're not necessarily cut out for that. So, so if they are being evaluated, unless they they want it, um, but they don't have any experience, then what do we do? Or let me just ask you, like, how do you, how do you know if someone should not be um, promoted? Well, there's certain character traits. Ooh, character traits. Okay. Absolutely, absolutely. You have to be a good listener. You have to be able to display active listening. You have to be empathetic. You can't be indecisive. You know, there, there are certain traits that you want to see this person have. Um, you have to be organized. <laughs> and you have to be able to be convincing and influential. Because you can't have your team, you know, pushing around. You have to be able to command the respect. I, I love this so much because it's like... Um... It's the pre-training before the real thing, right? Yeah. But if you identify that they don't have these skills or they're not ready, um, I'm I'm now thinking to this of this catch twenty two situation. It's like I I went to college, I've got my degree, I don't have any work experience, Marcus, but I need this job. I'm gonna work on this job, okay? So I put in my time. I want to get this promotion, but I don't have people skills. Uh, not really the best listener, but maybe I could be better. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. do you see any changes in this model? Because I run into the scenario all the time where you see people who are in management roles or leading people and they shouldn't be. And, right. you know, if, if, if we're thinking like of upskilling and how we want to, you know, increase the level of skills within organizations, if you had a perfect world, what would this pre-management process um, look like? Well, as I mentioned, I think that having that right kind of disposition and having those right character traits is really, really important. And if someone doesn't exhibit any of those, then I would probably, I'd probably advise against it. But if they show that they have some potential and they, they just need some grooming and some coaching, then that can be worked on. And, but it, I think it should be a, a slow process in terms of giving them that, that guidance and giving them those opportunities to, to show that they can lead and they can oversee a project. They can manage one person. They can mentor an intern. These are all things that you can do to kind of prepare them for that next step. This is great. Marcus, has there been any challenge that you have faced personally in your career that has propelled you to focus on 
improving and maximizing human potential? Hmm. Where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> I have seen, and early in my career, before I started consulting, early in my career as an HR professional, I had some really, really good role models as managers, but then I also had some people who weren't good role models. I know this may sound silly, but I know you just have certain expectations of certain people in certain roles. And you would expect that a, a, a head of HR for a large organization would have some empathy, uh, would be a good listener, would be unbiased and be even tempered. I had a boss who was none of those. And it is shocking that she got to where she was because she, she didn't have the personality for it. She may have been pretty decent from an administrative standpoint, but yeah, she was not someone you would expect to be leading the HR function for a large organization. That was something that has stuck with me ever since. And has I've, I've always strived to be to do the opposite and be the opposite and to put people in positions where they don't end up like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it's amazing how these um, situations stay with us. Um, the, the memories that the memories what, what's the song? Um, memories don't live like people do. <laughs> But they always, they always come for you, right? Like they are there. They don't just disappear. Um, we remember and we reflect. And so with that experience with your your manager who demonstrated all the things that you shouldn't do, I mean, like, was that something that you took and put into your practice in terms of like how you approach your your client work or how you approach your coaching clients? Absolutely. You know, we were talking about this earlier about evaluating character traits. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think she had the right disposition to be in that role. And someone either didn't see that or didn't care because they promoted her and put her into that position or hired her into that position. And she, you know, obviously worked her way up into, into that role, into that, at that level. But Someone, several people along the way ignored those things or just didn't, just wasn't aware that she was like this. And, and that is, that is really, really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Marcus, I want to shift gears for a little bit because, you know, I love all things Africa and African. This show (laughs) is called The Bridge to You. It's really the mission is about diversity and inclusion among Black cultures. We just share our stories. We demonstrate a way of living um, that is inspiring for others so that they can learn and grow. And I know that you lived on the continent for a while and, you know, you were the son of a diplomat. It sounds so special and so important. What was no, that like? No, no, no. What was that like? <laughs> no, it was um, it was it was interesting because I my father was originally a professor before he joined the United Nations. He was a doctor of linguistics, 
And he was a professor for many years before he became a diplomat. Um, so I, I definitely saw both, I guess, I guess different sides of him and we had different lifestyles, um, slightly different lifestyles, you know, based on those, those professional opportunities. But it was, like I, said, I look back on it now and I think I probably didn't enjoy it or take advantage of it enough <laughs> when I was a child <laughs> because I didn't, I didn't get it as, as, as much as I get it now. Um, it is, you know, we were, we were very lucky, very privileged to be in that situation, to go to private schools and to be exposed to, um, children from different parts of the world and, you know, have access to certain things and exposed to, uh, certain opportunities. And, uh, I definitely don't take that for granted. I think I probably did growing up because it was the way we lived, but, um, I also think that traveling helped us to give us some perspective because when we ever we came back to visit our family in North America or in the Caribbean or even in Europe um, and seeing how other people live, see what cost of living is in different places. And, and I think understanding and appreciating that was easier you know, because of how much we traveled. Um, but it was no, it was it was great, and I I, I always say that I I'm, I'm privileged, I'm privileged to have been born into that situation and to have the parents that I did. So yeah, that is I'm I'm forever grateful for that. I am grateful for you sharing the experience too. Um, I know you are interested in taking your family uh, back to Africa to experience some of the things that you've experienced. Like, what's one thing that you feel they absolutely must experience <laughs> um, that you've had, like a, a, maybe a, a place you visited or um, an encounter that you had, like what's something that you really want to gift your children with uh, by taking them back to Africa? Definitely national, visiting national parks. It is, uh, it's an experience. I mean, this is something that we did on a regular basis as a family. My family, we were a family of anglers. So all of us love to fish and we would go on fishing trips several times a year. And uh, you visit these national parks. Um, I mean, that was the primary goal is to go fishing. And we would, we would catch and eat our, our, our catch and take it home. With us, it, it was it was a it was a whole process. It was a whole um, tradition, you know. It would, you know it, it was it was interesting because I didn't learn about catching fish and throwing the fish back in. Like that was that was so bewildering to me when I first discovered that that they do that here in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you don't you don't eat the fish that you catch. Like why would you throw it back in? <laughs> I'm like, that just seems so counterintuitive. Um, I think I learned that, I think, when I first came back here to go to college. I went fishing and someone said, oh, you got to throw the fish back in. I'm like, what? Why? <laughs> <laughs> I'm cooking that fish. Uh, but yeah, that is something we would, we would do on a, a regular basis as a family. Uh, we go on safaris. That is something I want to do with my family. Um, and this is not Yellowstone. This is this is a completely different, <laughs> different, different ball game. This is 
real wildlife and real jungles. Uh, but yeah, that, that's something I want my, my family to experience. You know, I, I feel like it's so beautiful that nature gives us so many lessons yes. um, that you can't really just pick up from a book or pick up from someone else. It's, it's just, it embodies that sense of cognitive opening. You become more one with the, the environment, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love that. And I love that you have this um, tradition for your family uh, starting and continuing that tradition on. Yeah. Well, Marcus, is there anything that you'd like to share with us that we haven't spoke about before we begin to close? I'm really passionate about what I do. It, it drives me every day. It's, um, I sometimes obsess over it. <laughs> But is I, I always strive to do the best that I can for my clients um, because that is, is extremely rewarding to me. And I, I really love to see people grow and take information that I, I give to them and actually use it productively. That's the reward for me more than anything else. You know, I love to see people I've hired, you know, as bank tellers or administrative assistants, you know, end up becoming directors and vice presidents. I, I love to see that. I love to see people take a, a nugget that I taught them, a nugget that I gave them in a training session and, and actually apply it and have it work and to, to either see it happen, see it in practice or to kind of get the feedback from it. It's, it's, uh, that's that's what I do this for. Mm. What does that mean for you when you see someone take what you've shared and implement it and transform their life? It gives me validity. Uh, gives me more credence. Um, I, I I sometimes surprise myself because I'm like, wow, right, I do know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, that actually works. <laughs> But I especially, I especially love to see it when it's, it's, it's like senior leaders and, and C-suite um, executives. Um, I love to see when I advise CEOs and COOs and they, they actually use it and, and apply it. Because that that's, that's where it's really impactful. Because when you see that, they, they take a word of your advice and use it. For the, to impact their entire organization in a positive way, that is huge. That's awesome. It's like a puzzle piece almost. It's like, you know, you, you're, you're trying to figure it out. You put yes. it in there. <laughs> and then, and then you share like, like, whoa, that worked. It's almost like <laughs> that's the entrepreneur piece. That it's like you, you're constantly building, you're constantly creating. And when it does work, it's like, wow, you, you feel proud. You feel, you feel a sense of, of accomplishment and I feel like if that same feeling could be recreated within corporate or businesses you know within workspaces it's that feeling that drives the engine that keeps them going and motivated so it's like your work is so symbiotic to what you feel and what you help your clients feel too 100 percent, absolutely absolutely 
Well, Marcus, if anyone wants to experience that feeling for themselves and for their teams, where can they find you? Where's the best place to reach out to you? They can reach out to me at uh, mhaines at rh1consulting.com. Uh, they can check out our website, rh1 Consulting. Um, and I'm, I'm always open to networking, connecting, talking to people about their issues, their challenges, uh, always looking for new and interesting clients. Um, I, I definitely look for clients who I can really relate to and, and understand and appreciate what they're doing. And, um, and also clients who have passion. Now I'm very, I'm very drawn to, to clients who have passion about what they do. Wonderful. Bridge to you listeners. I told you you to get some wisdom i told you listen marcus talked about starting with people's differences having a genuine interest in them being open to learn and i know you heard his passion because i feel his passion so if you're looking to be best in class if you're looking to go from good to great you definitely want to reach out to marcus because he's going to give you the strategies you need to connect your team all around the world. Imagine what it is like to have this diverse amount of experience, this diverse amount of perspective. And I'm just going to say this bridge to you listeners. There's something magical about being in the African jungle, okay? Being in the <laughs> safari, feeling the animals, being one with nature. Those are the advisors that you want on your team. So reach out to Marcus, let him know that you heard our episode. And I hope that you have an incredible experience taking your teams to the next level. Until next time, everyone, take care and be well. Thanks for listening to the Bridge to You podcast. Visit ClaireCommunicationSolutions.com or connect with me on LinkedIn, Monique Russell, or Instagram at ClearCommunicationCoach. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit MarketingPodcasts.net.